Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com Mike. Welcome to Sons of a Gun, a podcast about the DC Universe. I'm Alex Gunn. And I'm Justin Gunn, a gun. We are both sons of a gun. We've got a celebrity dad. Can't say who it is, but you will never talk, say. We'll never tell. You couldn't. You couldn't torture us enough. Get out so of that we'd tell. Get out of here, the Hollywood Reporter. We're not talking. <laughs> Report on something else, guys. <laughs> anyway, if you've got tips or stories you want us to cover, email us at comicbookclublive at gmail But got the big story to follow up on. This broke. Basically, right after we taped last week's episode, yes. when we were speculating about who was going to nab the role of we Supergirl. It. And it turns out it's Millie Alcock, former star of House of the Dragon, is the official Supergirl of the DCU. When posting on threads, actually, this was on Instagram. Weird. He's always posted on threads, but Where James Gunn went to next? Instagram for this. And posted a screenshot of the Deadline article. I love it when people do that, where they're like, no links, just here's a screenshot. That's old man shit right there. 100%. And said, this is accurate. Millie is a fantastically talented young actor, and I'm incredibly excited about her being part of the DCU. Yes, I first became aware of her in House of the Dragon, but I was blown away by her varied auditions and screen tests for Supergirl. She embodies Kara, as envisioned by Tom King, Bilkis Evely, and Anna Nogura, who is the person who is writing the screenplay. Now, there's no director yet, but Anna Nogura is writing the script. And as James Gunn has talked about a lot, they're not going to do any casting. They're not going to move forward with anything until they have a script they're happy with. So clearly, something they're happy with. Are you happy with Billy Alcock in the role? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last time. I think the first time we or I had dismissed her a little bit because she was already so 
iconic from the House of the Dragon. But um, as it's come down to it, like I, I think she's good. I, I mm-hmm. like her, and she's sort of that midway between um, the Supergirl we've seen in the Flash movie and and the Supergirl um, from the comics in a nice way. I think both the classic Supergirl uh, and the more recent one from the Tom King series. So I think it's great. Uh, it does feel like since maybe they're happy with the script, but this movie is still a ways away from shooting that we're going to see an appearance of her in legacy is why this casting is happening now. Well, that's the common assumption. I mean, that was in every trade article, but once again, on threads, back to threads, actually, James Gunn, when asked about that, are we going to see Supergirl and Superman legacy said, I never even said she was in the movie. And she did one of those little emojis where it's like, you know, like a fart face. Yeah. Or like, a yeah, like, oh, I'm confused. Uh, anyway, I will say James Gunn is very specific with his words that he is putting out on social media. And he also, when he said, I never even said she wasn't in the movie, didn't say she is not in the movie. Like he's been pretty clear to shut things down, but it seems like there's every chance there that she's going to be in it. One thing else that I was kind of mulling around a little bit is like, Obviously, he wants to wait for the script, but there are a lot of big events that are coming up. The specific one that I'm thinking of is San Diego Comic-Con is coming down the Mm. bend in July. I feel like there's a chance they could do some sort of like, here's your new DCU cast type thing in a Warner Brothers panel. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's just how are they going to hype this movie? Is Mm. it going to be because you don't want the hype to sort of outpace the movie. Like at the end of the day. He's making a movie. Everything mm-hmm. is put on the, his shoulders with this of like the whole line of movies, the whole DC universe, Warner Brothers, bottom line, all that. But he really is just making a movie. So I, I, if I were him, I'd be very careful not to overhype. Like, here's your new universe. I would mm-hmm. be more like, hey, guys, here's a one bit of footage of Superman flying. And here's Superman and Emily Alcock and like just like really ease us in because otherwise it's just going to get out of hand, I feel like. I agree with you on that. And I wonder how much of a push and pull is going on behind the scenes, because as far as we've been publicly told, James Gunn has been very clear about, nope, it's creative first. We're working with the creatives. That's what we're putting first and foremost, not doing anything before it's time. David Zaslav, for all his faults, has been very like, I'm in the tank for James Gunn. Love his DCU plan. It's so brilliant. I love it. We support everything. But also, they have a company to run and a company that is mostly driven by stockholders and stocks and the board and making money and all of that. And that comes from making big announcements, right? Like, that's the thing. And that's always been... Frankly, the Achilles heel of Warner Brothers with this DC stuff is the big, like, great news. We have one movie in production. Here's 15 other movies. Here we go. And everybody's like, yeah. oh, no, what? No, wait, you're not ready to do that. And that first movie wasn't that good. And now we don't feel very confident about the next couple of movies. I worry they're going to go that route anyway. You know, there's yeah. got to be an amend- immense amount of pressure on James Gunn and Peter Safran to deliver on Superman legacy, deliver on the whole of DCU and deliver it as quickly as humanly possible. I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously he's doing a good job of holding all that back right now, but there's going to come a time when like 
and I think they might even be holding back until Superman Legacy comes out and they see how that does at the box office. If that crushes, that gives them a lot more ammunition to be like, hold on, I know what I'm doing. Let's keep going. If it does okay to not okay, that puts them in a tricky position. Well, and I think they, he knows that. And so I do think, and this is his first big swing. I feel like he's spending all that capital on like, I let's follow my plan. Mm-hmm. He has, you know, the most, the most power right now to guide that. And then once things start doing well or not so well or whatever, that's when he's going to, the power is going to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I feel like so far, I think he's spending his power well and keeping the drip of stories that we can follow it's just when they start to grow exponentially when you are and our imagination start to take off once we have like here's the whole cast oh my god if the justice league it would be like this and then suddenly that's when it gets Mm -hmm. all wobbly so now he's got a nice pipeline here's the thing to your point though or maybe i don't know if this is contrasting or supporting your point but there are so many heroes and villains at this point in superman legacy that we know about you could bring all them out at a san diego comic-con and blow the roof off anyway like there's yeah an enormous cast there you don't need to present supergirl batman wonder woman etc etc to make an impact that's going to be absolutely fine that said before we move on to the next thing which of course ties into this a little bit when do you think we're going to see Supergirl? Are we going to see her in Superman Legacy despite what James Gunn is saying? I think so, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how James Gunn feels like he wants to shake up the formula, but the standard formula we would expect is Supergirl in a post credit sequence or introduced yeah. in some way. Um, I feel like he will find a, an interesting way to still do that because – Whatever, it'll probably be something that has a little more story behind it than just like a like, hey, there's a super girl uh, or something like that. Uh, I think it'll be the maybe we'll see her rocket or mm-hmm. something. It'll just be something that's a little smarter and more savvy because I, I feel like that's the kind of creator he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think we will see it. The thing that I'm very curious about before we move on is the continuity of this whole thing. If anybody, if you're listening, if you don't know the story of Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, it takes place not exactly wizard, but like it's an older, more callous. She's been on a ton of adventures. Supergirl, Superman has this whole reputation through the universe that not she's following up on, but she's like, you know the ass, you know what's going on here. Yeah. You've seen us do a lot of stuff before. So that's kind of the idea there. And it's a little bit of her starting for this place of not being callous, but being like a little detached about everything and then getting more involved in the universe based on this character, Ruthier, who she connects with and goes on a bunch of big adventures with. Given that we know that Superman is starting out in a world with superheroes, but this is his first adventure in Superman Legacy. I'm not quite sure how that all syncs up. I'm curious to see how that executes, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a way it could be set sort of separately. Like, it doesn't have to be the same thing. Or they just play a little fast and loose with the timeline in, like, how much Superman or the, the S is known. They could also just play it that the S isn't as known, and it's more of her... Because there's a version of that story that is a little more John Wick, uh, of, like, my dog is hurt, and I'm <laughs> right. going to go into space. Or there is the much more fairy tale version of it that we saw in the comic that is... Mm-hmm. It feels like James Gunn is saying that's what he's going to do, but... 
in an execution, that's, you know, it's hard to do that because that story is definitely rooted to your point in we know Superman and we know Supergirl and we know mm-hmm. this whole world and we're doing something different purposefully. When we don't have a whole world, it's hard to work against it. This is the reason why when Watchmen came out, we were like, this is weird. You need more movies <laughs> to get why this is important. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, a, it is funny. I mean, this is a total side thing, but I wonder what would happen if Watchmen for all its faults came out now versus what it did, where it was like, we're breaking down the superhero shot. We were like, there's been two movies. There's been like yeah. two superhero movies at this point. But well, I think that's such an interesting question because it's sort of like that movie. Now I feel like would hit right where the audience is, where mm-hmm. we are a little bit disillusioned with superhero movies. So to release a movie that is like the anti superhero team movie, I feel like it'd be like, Oh, this is what I want right now. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, what so what happened. we're saying is release the Watchmen cut. You know, like put it back <laughs> in theaters. We're starting that campaign right here on this podcast. I like the idea of we're like release Watchmen, let it out, <laughs> yes. let us see the movie Watchmen. Not an alternate cut, just release same, the same release, cut. release Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, uh, great. Uh, okay, why don't we move on to uh, not exactly everybody kept framing this as a big update. I don't think this is a big update, but it's a nice update on the one year anniversary of the initial DCU slate announcement. Once again, James Gunn went to threads. I'm going to stop saying that because it's repetitive. <laughs> That's just where he is. He posted a thing, giving an update on where they are with the DCU at this point. It wasn't a big video presentation like the last time. They didn't have press into Warner Brothers or anything. He just posted to post on threads, but said one year ago today, Peter Safran and I introduced your DCU slate, uh, DC slate for the first time. Thanks to all of you for the support you've given us throughout the year. Today's Superman legacy is about to start production. Episodes of creature commandos are being finished. That will be released later this year. And at least two more projects are gearing up to go in the next couple of months. Amazing scripts keep coming in and incredible talent are being attached to new projects planned and unplanned. Thank you. Ooh. And then he followed up when somebody was asking about it, said some things have shifted around, some projects now earlier, others later, and other new projects are being developed. Like I said from the beginning, we're going to put things in production based on when we have a great script and nothing else. And luckily, we've had some great scripts take us by surprise. So there you go. That's great. This guy luck likes to talk about scripts, and I love it. He he says the word scripts more than anybody, more than a pharmacist is talking about scripts. So like I don't know this. I he's definitely beating that drum, and I the fact that he continues to and sure all he has so far is scripts really. So there's not like he can be like we have this great you know movie or all this great footage we've shot. So that makes sense, but. He's leaning into the creative first take to such a degree that it's it's a good sign. Do you think that's at all calculated to get the audience hyped up about scripts so that the executives know the scripts are important? I, I, yes, I think I think he's saying this for us to be like, that's a good way of saying like we're making progress without just being like coming soon still. I also think this is him talking to Warner Brothers and mm-hmm. everybody to be like, we're doing the scripts. So remember, we're doing <laughs> this part so it can be good when we do the film film, the mm-hmm. roll cameras. We have the scripts. OK, right. just he's like very much like reminding everyone of what's what he's his whole plan was from the and why it's different. Mm-hmm. So they can take it. 
That's great. I continue to love that. The other thing that we could probably plug into a little bit here is he says at least two more projects are gearing up to go in the next couple of months and seems to imply maybe some of them are part of the things that we were expecting. Maybe some of them aren't. So what do you think? I, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to say one of them is Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. But what's the other one that potentially they're gearing up for at this point? I mean, this is an easy answer, but I bet it's Peacemaker. The next mm-hmm. season of Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. D- don't you think? Yeah. I, I, I guess I'd be surprised if he's like, surprise, we've got a metamorpho movie you never thought about. <laughs> surprise I mean, me. I don't know. That, that would be surprising. I think everybody assumes it's Batman Brave and the Bold, but I don't think they have a screenwriter for that yet, let alone a director. Also, I feel like we're still working in the old Batman stuff. And, like, I don't think – why would he want to be going so hard with a new Batman project when we are getting the second Batman movie mm-hmm. from from Matt Reeves? So it's like that's what's coming, I think. Yeah, I think they're probably prioritizing that. To that point, not to jump ahead here, but I will, there was this rumor going around that uh, – well, two rumors were going around. One – that Brave and the Bold was going to wait until Bat- Batman Part 3 came out, that they were going to let Matt Reeves complete his trilogy and then do Batman Brave and the Bold. Not so. That's not true, says James Gunn. Uh, also, there was a rumor going around over the past couple of days that Batman was the next up to be cast. And again, James Gunn was like, no, I don't know where this started. We are not casting Batman. There's no script. So I think yeah. that pretty much confirms that Brave of the Bold is not one they're just pushing forward with just to push forward with. So then if it's not Metamorpho and it's not Batman Brave of the Bold, <laughs> um, Peacemaker, to your point, like we know that he's working on the eighth script yeah. for the eighth episode, but let's just randomly speculate. Like, what do you think is the other project that's gearing up at this point? I don't know. What could even that be? I, I mean, there's, they have talked a lot about creature commandos being live action, right? They want to do that. Like mm-hmm. that's something they could, they already have that cast. They could just like make a pilot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, or what are the other characters he could be spinning off of legacy? Uh, I mean, yeah, Hawk there girl. could be an authority movie. A hawk girl movie could be a lot of fun for sure. Um, you could, I'm just kind of thinking through like Tom King stuff since he seems so key here and probably is very hungry for this stuff. I wonder, I wonder if they bring back his new gods project with Ava DuVernay. That feels like the sort of thing with the previous version of Warner brothers. They'd be like, no, we're not going to do that. That's too weird. Uh, And uh, I don't know. This is pure speculation, but it seems like some of those ideas might've made it into the recent dangerous street series that he did. Mm. So I don't know. I wonder if they would spin up something like that again to give a total contrast, a completely different part of the DC universe. And with the moniker gods and monsters, you got monsters with creatures, commandos, gods we think is superheroes. But what if you take it an even step further and really get some actual gods? We have actual monsters. Uh, Let's get actual gods. Very interesting. That could be, that'd be a big swerve, uh, but, but maybe Um, the, other character that we've made that we're maybe getting in, is Green Lantern mm-hmm. that has been underused in a while. I mean, I think we can safely say we're not going to see a Flash for a while. Uh, okay. So 
Green Lantern makes some sense as a big hero that they could really do something with. There's also the potential Green Lantern TV series, right? Yeah, they were that talking could be about moving a forward. mystery, and they said a true detective uh, style. Yeah, and they said that was kind of a key part of the lore that they're doing. I could also just see in a calculated way. You've got Creature Commandos coming to Max. You've got Penguin coming to Max, which isn't technically part of the DCU, but you're going to want to keep that content. <laughs> will flowing, you know, or whatever phrase you want to use there. So I think going into production on Superman Legacy, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, and then potentially Green Lantern series for TV, that gives you a good position to like keep things coming well, out at a regular pace. And if I were James Gunn also, I would think about how Marvel crushed it by doing really good genre films mm-hmm. first. And they... They got away from that, and that's been when they've sort of fallen off. And their TV never really did that. Marvel TV sort of did that, tried to do that a little bit, but it was never as clean of a, like, like WandaVision was like, we're doing old TV, but it wasn't like a specific genre. If they do a good, like, true detective style, like, you know, cop show, paranormal cop show, supernatural cop show, that would crush, I think. And if it had the right tone, like real, actual, gritty tone, I think that would be huge. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I have one more question based on that. Do you think we're going to get that third Matt Reeves Batman movie? You think that's real? Uh, I don't. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. Because the second one, the second one feels like it was like two. It was in the tank and they were like, yeah, well, yeah, we'll do that. The first one was successful. But the third one feels like, all right, we've moved past that. Mm -hmm. You got your extra. That two is already the extra one. The third one feels like it's fully. I also maybe this is something that's very public, but I don't know where the he's doing a trilogy rumor came from, other than the fact that everybody thinks everything is a trilogy. I have to imagine, given how careful he was about the first, the Batman, and clearly is being very careful about part two as well, that it's more like, let's do part two, see where that goes. And then we can figure out a next thing if we have a next thing. But like. They it really feels like he is a filmmaker who's saying, like, let's put it all on the table every time out. And that includes the Penguin series. Like to your genre point, that seems to be like straight up Scorsese Coppola crime epic. And that's all they're going for with the series, which is great. Um, It's definitely bridging the gap between the two movies. But I think whatever they're going to go for in part two they're going to go for it. They're not going to be like, we're set it up yeah. the third movie. Here we go. So we'll see a couple of other news items here. This was a neat one. James, Jamesy, James boy announced Jimmy. that Jimmy uh, announced that John dad uh, announced that John Murphy <laughs> <laughs> is going to be doing the score for Superman legacy. They've worked together a lot. Uh, the specific quote was John is one of the first people I called when I finished the script many months ago, as I know how incredibly important the score was to this production. John has been working tirelessly since creating hours worth of music that will play on set and shoot to and use in the edit. And that I will eventually be recorded with a glorious symphony for all of you. Welcome to the DCU, John. I, I wanted to ask you just because you've been on a lot more productions than I have. I love the idea. And he followed this up saying he did the same thing on guardians and most of his movies playing the score for the actors so that they get a sense of what it's going to feel like on set. 
I love that. Like that yeah. seems very atypical to me though. Is it? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it, it may be for the actors feeling a certain way, but I, it's always more for timing. I think mm-hmm. uh, usually you, you score to the, the film, you know, you don't like play the score and then that they have to act to match the score. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I keep creating a tone like for t- like, uh, like movies, like um, uh, what was it? The uh, Edgar Wright heist movie with Ansel Elgort. They Baby played Driver. a lot of Baby Driver. They played a lot of that music on set because they were literally, it was like making a music video. They were mm-hmm. timing that so tightly that they wanted it. And basically, all, apparently, all he, Edgar Wright was saying was like, great, faster, though, much, much faster, because <laughs> this is all much faster than you think. And that, that's often the way you're going. Everyone wants to take a little longer. So maybe it's that, but maybe it's creating a vibe. I was on a commercial set once. I was directing a commercial and the uh, production had brought in a, a violinist for lunch to just oh, cool. like play oh, nice. for all of us to like. And that was the weirdest thing I had experienced. Um, lovely. But uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Like it, do, it does make it sound very romantic and sort of old school filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, back in the day, like, let's have a, a little Victrola playing some music while we work. Well, just thinking about this from two directions. The first direction, uh, not that I uh, can write any sort of music, but I do not envy anybody who's tried to write a Superman score at this point. Like, oh, yeah. John Williams, of course, iconic, but then it was Hans Zimmer for Man of Steel, right? Like, for all its yep. faults, that is a phenomenal score. Yeah. So that somehow is completely different, but stands on his own and is stunning as well. Uh, how do you follow up on that? I don't know. But, like, you yeah. got to do something iconic for Superman. But to the point that we're saying, being David Cornsweet on set, like... I can understand you playing the John Williams theme and that giving you that feeling of like, I am super bad and I'm flying through the air right now, but same sort of thing. Like if it's a good score playing it there, that's going to, that's going to make him feel that. And I think that's a good thing for an actor. Yeah. Directing, you know? Definitely. And I also think there, this might be a whole different direction. There could be like sort of a retro, a neo futuristic tone for this movie in the way that the source material is Grant Morrison's Superman. Mm. So like, you know, we might be in a whole, just a different tonal space. Then music can help. I think a lot, if you are doing something that is like retro in a way that mm-hmm. has, that has, and a Superman is such a perfect character to do that, like throwback futurism, mm-hmm. uh, because it is what the character was. He's the man of tomorrow, but he's like a 1950s looking dude. <laughs> Yeah. And when you say neo-futurist, you're talking like a lot of synthesizers, like he's running man style thing. Yeah, exactly. uh, What's it called? The instrument where you just put your hand in air and it's like a theremin, a theremin style. (laughs) Yep. We can post the whole thing on theremins. Pretty cool. Anyway, see you at the movies. All right, a couple more here just to hit. Uh, I think we actually hit most of these at the end that I had outlined at the end here. But Warner Brothers Discovery has snagged the rights to a new movie out of Sundance called Super Slash Man, the Christopher Reeve story. James Gunn talked about this a little bit. Apparently, uh, this it. is very good. You've seen it? I haven't or- seen it. I've heard I was listening to some Sundance sort of commentary and I heard this was just great and, you know, just what you want. 
in a real life version of a Superman movie. Yeah. And apparently it focuses on Christopher Reeve as Superman, but also as per the title, a man and has interviews with his kids as well. Apparently James Gunn saw this, was blown away. It was like, we have to put this under DC studios. Um, so they're going to be releasing it uh, presumably in theaters. So that's pretty exciting. I can't that's amazing. It. Yeah. We'll cover it here on the podcast, I assume. Certainly. And Robert Downey Jr. during they're having some sort of retrospective in LA about his films right now, I believe. Um, or maybe it was a talk about Oppenheimer. I'm not 100% sure what's going on. I would guess the latter. That'd be crazy to do a Robert Downey Jr. retrospective right now. Like, <laughs> it, like in another sort of Rat Pack, a Brat Pack movie where he's like a yeah. vague dick to people. Uh, but he revealed, which uh, apparently hadn't come out before, he was up for Scarecrow in Batman Begins and lost out to Killian Murphy. Um, that would have been Oof. a very different movie. I'm glad he didn't get that role. Serious. That would have ruined. We wouldn't have. We wouldn't be here in with the MCU if that had happened. So yep. shouts to Killian. And look, now they're in Oppenheimer together. But there you go. Scarecrow and Iron Man back together again. That's a fun what if that happened. And last but not least, the schedule came out for CinemaCon, which is going to happen in Vegas in April. This is a chance for studios to present their upcoming slate to theater owners, as well as some invited press at the same time. They are known for showing off entire movies. There's, in fact, on the schedule, a secret surprise movie. They're like, big studio movie. Can't tell you what it is, but it's coming out. Uh, but a bunch of different studios. Studios come out and they usually have these two hour presentations. Warner Brothers has two hours on April 11th. I have an answer here, but do you think we're going to see any DC Studios stuff here? They're going to tease us with one thing. I bet we get a little bit of footage. I would be so tempted to show Superman flying or some Mm -hmm. Superman moment, just a, a first taste of it so if i were i don't know how much will have been shot by then but whatever their first week of shooting to get some real trailer bait or a teaser even if it's like 20 seconds of just a moment so we all get a look at it i would be wanting to do that yeah i think that makes sense you know usually this is focusing on this upcoming year of theatrical distribution to get people excited but to your point I think it's Not mostly going to gonna be focused. About. Well, yeah, the, I I should have looked at the Warner Brothers slate, but like they've got Dude Part Two. Maybe the, I think that's in theaters by that point. Um, they have a bunch of other stuff coming down the pike, so they're probably going to focus a lot on that stuff. But to your point, we got twenty twenty five ending the presentation. They've been shooting Superman Legacy for about a month at that point. They definitely could show the first look at him in costume or something like that. Yeah, I can see that coming out. Probably not like, here's what's coming up the next year of DC Studios, but that one thing to be like, we're going to leave you with one little taste of 2025. And honestly, maybe flying's wrong because that would require some special effects and stuff that they maybe wouldn't be ready to do. Him turning away from something, pulling his shirt open, revealing the ass. Mm -hmm. That's fun stuff right there. 
Absolutely. All right. Once again, if you got tips or stories you want us to cover, you can email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. If you want to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comicbookclub. We do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about DC stuff. Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow, but not Google Podcasts, which is going away at the end of March. If you're subscribed there, subscribe anywhere else at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Uh, oh, yeah. And bye. And I love you. <laughs> and, and, and I love you, too. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm going to score this uh, podcast now, okay? Just uh, okay. Just do the full just soundtrack. Just sense of it. Yeah, just like, ready? <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.